Hi, everybody, and welcome to today. So in 1913, Arthur Wynne's Word Cross is published in the New York world. The Word Cross is the first crossword puzzle, thus beginning a tradition that would lead to many a movie filler line. William Bradford and the Mayflower land on Plymouth Rock in 1620. In 53, St. Thomas, one of the apostles, dies preaching his faith in India. He made it pretty far. Oh, and in 69, Vespasian is declared Roman Emperor, which doesn't hold much weight that year since, you know, he was the fourth one declared in a year. They had a year of the four emperors. It was a very prestigious and exclusive decoration of ultimate power. Oh, and in 1919, we shipped a woman to Russia. Alright, technically breaking the 100-year rule here, but it's for a good reason. This is some uh, legitimately interesting stuff. In 1919, we shipped a known anarchist to Russia for being an uh, anarchist. Emma Goldman was born in 1869 in the Russian Empire. For reference, though, she grew up in basically a peripheral part of Russia in Lithuania, so so peripheral, in fact, that it will become independent in the collapse of the empire, and then become independent again at the breakup of the Soviet Union. Anyway, so she was born in Russia, but immigrated to the United States and settled in Rochester, New York. She worked in a clothing factory, and through that, connected to the ideologies that would make her famous. Socialism and anarchism. If you only have a small understanding of the two, they seem like opposing theories of governments. And they are. They really, really are. However, in the time and place that we're talking about, that Emma Goldman lived, they often had mutual interests and the like. A bit of difference on an abstract political opinion meant nothing if you couldn't change the world you lived in. The only time ideological differences really even matter is when yours has the chance to become the law of the land. But until then, you've made allies with everyone. So when Goldman became acquainted with the ideologies of anarchism while working in these factories, they found fertile soil in which to plant their ideological crop. Clothing factories in the 1800s were not a nice place. She became an activist and formed associations with many, including a one Alexander Berkman, who tried to assassinate a man during a strike which backfired on the workers. Great move, jackass. She got herself jailed when she incited a riot with a particularly awesome speech to the unemployed workers in 1893. Remember, people, the easiest way to start a riot is with a giant horde of the unemployed. Bonus points if they're young. So she was released in 1895, two years later, and embarked on a bunch of tours across Europe and the United States. During this time, she repudiated violence as a form of social movements. She tried to become a citizen, but was denied. It's a lot easier to fuck with someone who isn't a citizen. She was jailed for a while in 1916 for speaking out on birth control and the concept of free love. It is exactly what it sounds like. She was released but jailed again in 1917 for the upteenth time, this time for agitating against the draft. What draft? The one used in World War I, which was not a great time for people who didn't like war since the entire world was at, well, war. However, her time in the States would end after her release. Two years in jail, current events had moved against her. A red scare was going on, and fearing that she might lead an imaginary organization of communists, she was shipped off to Russia along with her old and close friend, Alexander Berkman. Now, Berkman comes up a lot in her life, like, a lot. 
and for good reason. They were lovers, friends, allies. It's a, it's kind of a great romance story when you think about it. Now, her arrival in Russia was met with the Bolsheviks. She liked the Bolsheviks, viewing the goal of a communist government at least a good idea and attempt. She even printed essays in support of them. Remember, she was an anarchist, not a communist. Maybe allies in America, but they are different ideologies. And when she got to Russia, she was met with the realities of ideology. So I have a degree in political science, and one of the most fascinating things about it to me was implementation. Take, for example, communism. Marx's goal of a stateless nation run by the community where everyone gets what they need and works as needed. It's a, it's a beautiful goal. It's really hard to argue against, really. But the question is always how. How do you create this kind of existence? It's that rubber meets the road moment. It's almost never pretty. It was straight up ugly in Russia. Russia during the Russian Civil War was brutal. War, communism, was in full effect. Political repression was a harsh reality. Civil liberties were a joke. Collectivization was in full swing. This is the rubber meets the road moment, as the Bolsheviks were surrounded literally on all sides by armies. This is what the anarchist Russo-American political activist walked into. She would meet Lenin, who felt at the time repression was needed to create a communist state. But she felt otherwise. Berkman disagreed for a time, but he eventually joined her sides. See, that's one thing about America. You gain a love for the relative civil liberties we enjoy. Even if you hate the system in our country, you can still disagree with it. In the American tradition of hating the government, she was an active participant. But it shields you in some ways. Or at least it did then, to the realities of revolutionary action. I don't know if that's what happened per se, but that's the impression I got. Her meeting with Lenin to me was telling. She told him she couldn't work with him while her anarchist comrades were in jail. But free speech was brought up and her support of it. His response was, as she said, quote, But as to free speech, he remarked, that is, of course, a bourgeois notion. There can be no free speech in a revolutionary period. We have the peasantry against us because we can give them nothing in return for their bread. We have them on our side when we have something to exchange. Then you can have all the free speech you want, but not now. It continues. Free speech, free press, the spiritual achievements of centuries. What were they to this man? A Puritan he was, sure his scheme alone could redeem Russia. Those who served his plans were right, while the others could not be tolerated. Unquote. See what I mean? This is the sad reality of the world. Lenin was right, in a way. He could not have won the civil wars without breaking some of the mo these most basic of civil liberties. She was also right. These things are rights. You cannot take away rights. She left Russia, toured Europe for a while, settled in Canada, and would die in 1940. But her memory would live on. She was a massive hit in the 70s, as the feminist movement kicked back up into overdrive. Her views on homosexuality and her dislike of the prejudice against them and her adamant views that they had the right to love who they wished made her one of the first to say so. Her sexual liberalism views have basically something of a norm in modern society, and her views on contraception are also some of the most basic realities of the modern woman. 
Her views on capitalism make her a hit even now, as people dress as her during the Occupy Wall Street protests. Her unwielding views on free speech were famous and so deeply ingrained that she stared down Vladimir Lenin and continued to state her views on it. So yeah, I broke my century rule. But honestly, it was worth it. Emma Goldman is an important person in social history, and I can't not mention her. So yeah, that's all I have for you today. You can reach me at todayhistorypodcast at gmail.com. Come back tomorrow, where we join two people from more than a couple hundred years apart in looking over the bodies of their countrymen and wondering, what the hell, man? Mm-hmm.